Hello and welcome to this week's My News Wrap, news from the world of SAP, Microsoft and the world in between. Let's start with the SAP ecosystem. What happened this week? Um, here I would like to highlight two blog posts from the Kima world. First one from um, uh, Gaurav Abi, who has a short write-up around uh, using the SAP application router with the Kima runtime. I think quite common pattern, quite quite often uh, requested. And this short write-up shows you um, what's possible, what are the um, pros and cons on using the different options that you have with the SAP application router, namely with the Manage App router that, for example, comes with the um, SAP Launchpad service or the, the Cloud Portal, and the standalone app router that you can even deploy into Kima. So, um, yeah, cool, nice, short write-up about a very, very important topic um, within the Kima and SAP ecosystem. And then another one um, by Piotr Tesny, which is also super helpful if you're working with Kima functions. As you might know, you can um, write and, and deploy Kima functions from the Kima um, IDE that, that is within the web um, dashboard, or you can develop them locally using the CLI um, push them to a Git repository and then um, let that stuff be fetched by Kima. And Kima will then um, build the repository. And one important step, of course, is how do you bring together your Git repository with uh, Kima? And this blog post by Piotr guides you through um, how to set that up when using SSH authentication in order to do so. Then, with that, to the biggest announcement around Kima in general this week. Um, on Monday, or to be more precise, everything was in place on Tuesday, Kima 2.0 was released. Um, important to stress, Kima 2.0, the open source version. So it's not the um, hosted version on BTP, it's the open source version. So um, it has bit of different uh, functionality, of course. Um, it's not completely the same. But if you uh, want to have already a, a short glimpse into what will change, then I think even the open source version is worth a look. Because if you yeah, are using Kima, you basically know what's, what's there also within the SKR offering, so in the, in the SAP Kima runtime offering. Um, and you will see um, that there are some changes that you have to wrap your head around. There is also a migration guide referenced within the um, announcement blog post, and you will see that um, several things have changed. Um, the most obvious one for local development or for local installation of Kima, the setup switched from Minikube to K3D. So you have to have K3D in place and the Kima CLI. And then you can um, install your uh, Kubernetes, uh, your Kima cluster, even locally. Th this even works with uh, Windows right from the start. So I was quite surprised by that. Um, but it works. The only thing is you have to have K3D, with, which also means you have to have Docker in place. Then the next um, thing that's really worth mentioning from my perspective is the Kima dashboard. That has completely changed. So the Kima console is no longer there. It's no longer embedded within Kima for the open source version, but it's uh, something separate. 
And in order to start the Kima dashboard, again, you need the uh, Kima CLI and you need uh, Docker up and running because this will um, be um, spun up within a Docker container on your local machine and will then connect to your, to your Kima cluster. If, if you have the local setup, of course. Um, then some things has changed about observability. So the UIs are no longer um, integrated into the um, into the uh, uh, Kima runtime. So you have also to use something around that. That's also described within the um, uh, migration guide. And what's also important, which is kind of um, not super obvious, but um, something that you have to take a look at is Ori Auth Cape and now comes without DAX. So maybe there is something to do for you. It's really depending on how you did your setup. Yeah, um, that's it for Kima 2.0 open source. So it's out now. You can try it out. You can play around um, and give feedback. Um, if you want to do a migration, um, you have a migration guide. Uh, take a look at it before you migrate because there are as I said, some changes. With that, let's switch to the Microsoft part of the house. First of all, of course, functions and serverless. Great announcement this week, the Azure Functions Docker container have been updated. So now you have Docker containers for all the uh, different runtimes that are supported, .NET, Python, Java, uh, Node, PowerShell. Um, and they are now updated to the v4 version of the Azure Function Core Tools or the, the runtime, Azure Function Runtime. So you now have, you can now choose between v3 and v4. To be honest, I did not try out if that's already reflected within the Azure Function Tools. Um, but anyway, you, you can uh, just exchange the, the images and um, it should work. Um, there is also a new edition of the Azure Functions live video podcast um, that was um, last streamed in October or September, something like that. And there is a new edition now in December with a new bunch of hosts that uh, presented or guided through the show. There was one really cool demo that's absolutely worth uh, watching the replay, and that's about the Azure Durable Functions Monitor. That was definitely uh, worth watching. If you just want to see what was uh, mentioned and take a look at the show notes, they, I have also referenced them within my show notes. So you have now the Azure Functions Live show notes available on uh, GitHub GIST by, by Anthony Chu, the ones from December and as well the ones of, oh, it was September, um, the, the last edition. So uh, take a look at that stuff. And there is also the uh, demo around the Azure Durable Functions Monitor. And with that, there is also a new edition of the Azure Functions University. So um, if you have now some time off and want to start with Azure Functions, that's a perfect timing. Um, because there is a new edition of the Azure Functions University, a new HTTP lesson, which is now covering the language of Python. So the Azure Functions University now really has a broad spectrum for um, entering the world of Azure Functions, because I think we have now covered .NET. We have PowerShell, we have Python, and we have TypeScript. So um, basically, uh, you can now really take a look at that um, and make your hands dirty with every language that you usually use. That's cool. Um, and then there was another update around, um, let's say, the, the serverless learning paths on um, 
Microsoft Learn, there was already a session around or, or a collection of modules around um, Azure Static Web Apps um, using .NET and the uh, Blazor Web Assembly. And this, um, this learning path or this, this module was now completely updated to .NET 6. So you can now really um, benefit from the latest and greatest .NET stuff within this and also learn something about Azure Static Web Apps. Of course, learning the, the um, module is referenced within the show notes. So now let's switch from the serverless world to the not so serverless world, uh, namely containers. There is a new release of Dapper out um, 1.5.1 with a lot of uh, fixes and um, improvements around the runtime and the CLI. And I've referenced the release notes. So there is really an extensive description what fixes have been applied, especially with the um, Cosmos DB state and binding component, which I think was, was added in the last release, if I'm not completely mistaken. And also the uh, um, PubSub subscription, there is have been some, some improvements there. So um, if you're using Dapper, then definitely take a look at these release notes. And then um, container security is a big topic. Um, and there is one blog post that uh, covers that one, introducing a new open source tool that is um, published by Microsoft called Retify, which retifies your container supply chain in Kubernetes. And that's really an important and painful topic to verify that that chain uh, within yeah, Kubernetes, when you deploy containers, because there is a lot of moving parts, there are a lot of things that you have to take into account. And um, Ratify helps you a bit with that in order to um, verify the, the metadata that comes along with the um, uh, deployments and containers. And it helps you with, with verifying that metadata with respect to all the security aspects. For example, um, checking the... Um, the signatures of the container images against policies that um, you have in place in order to make everything more secure. And it's um, not only about uh, the signatures of containers, but it's really taking into account all the, um, let's say, security relevant parts of, of, a, of a container or a deployment, um, like, like vulnerabilities, um, like Q&A results that you can put into the metadata and what's important, SBOM, which uh, where there is quite some discussion around that due to a US executive order um, when it comes to uh, container images. Um, this blog post that I've referenced uh, basically guides you through what Ratify is about, what it does, what it does not, and where you, you plug in other things like uh, OPAs, so, so the Open Policy Agent, in order to verify um, your, your policies um, and where, where, where it will head to, so, so what will be next, so a little bit of an outlook. So if you are working in that area, I think, yeah, as I said, super important, but also super painful topic, um, so hopefully... This tool helps you a bit with this um, thingy like supply chain security. And then 
not only uh, Kima 2.0 open source was released this week, but also Kubernetes 1.23. Now, before going into Kubernetes 1.23, you cannot install Kima 2.0 on Kubernetes 1.23. Um, take a look at the, the compati compatibility metrics. So uh, Kima 2.0 is only available until 1.22. Nevertheless, Kubernetes 1.23 is out the last release of Kubernetes this year, so um, in 2021. I have referenced the um, blog post that covers all the new stuff and guides you into the details of different themes, of the major themes that have been uh, shipped with this new Kubernetes release. And basically one day after the release of Kubernetes, there was also a podcast out um, on the Kubernetes podcast um, show from Google that talks about exactly Kubernetes 1.23 with the um, responsible release team lead for, um, for this release. So I think definitely worth listening to. With that, let's switch to the area of um, DevOps and GitHub. GitHub pushed again quite some uh, news this week. Uh, some smaller uh, thingy is a list. So you can now um, group your repositories into, into lists. Um, so, so you can kind of curate your favorite repositories either from, from other people or from your own uh, repo. So to have something like a list there. Um, this is in beta and it's available for everyone. So you don't need to sign up to it. Then uh, another important news from the area of, of GitHub, or to be more precise, from NPM. They are uh, pushing the topic of uh, NPM ecosystem security one level further. And this blog post guides you through what you have to um, take into account if you are a publisher on NPM, because there is an enhanced login verification and there is some... Um, way forward uh, with respect to two-factor authentication enforcement. Some next steps that will uh, come in place and are rolled out now, um, starting from uh, December the 7th, so beginning of this week and ending somewhere in January. So if you are a publisher on NPM, I think that's definitely uh, important to read. Then there was one really big announcement this week, which I think might not have been pushed as it would have deserved it. Um, there is a new um, private beta around GitHub code search. So there is a completely newly implemented search functionality for GitHub. And that's available as of now for currently a limited group. I have seen demos of that two weeks ago, and it was breathtaking. So it's the, the engine per se under the hood is completely implemented in Rust, so it's fast as hell. And it overcomes all the shortcomings that um, the, the GitHub search that is currently in place has. So you, you it, it does better findings, you can use regular expressions, you can use wildcards. Um, it's fast as hell. It also has some some more context-aware search. Um, so it, it, it is more intelligent, if, if that's the right phrase to, to coin that, and helps you to find the right stuff. Um, I have referenced the um, uh, 
blog post of the announcement. There's also a short video. Um, and you can also sign up for a waiting list. I guess there are quite some people already on that, but um, well, keep your fingers crossed to get on it because that's really, really, really a cool thing um, as far as I have seen and really helps you a lot with, um, with your tasks and, and searching code. Then um, for those who use GitHub on-prem, there is also a new release of the GitHub Enterprise Server. I have referenced the announcement um, blog post of GitHub Enterprise Server 3.3, which is the newest version and it's GA now. Um, within this blog post that is not super extensive, there are two more blog posts released, uh, uh, referenced um, that uh, talk about the release in more depth. And there is also a dedicated section um, about the release notes. So what is new, what has changed. So if you're using GitHub Enterprise Server and are planning to upgrade, here you go, take a look at the show notes. And then um, another round of safeguarding your containers, this time not verifying your containers, but um, signing your containers. I have referenced a blog post around uh, safeguarding containers um, with uh, GitHub Actions because they have now a signing capability uh, that you can use in order to sign your containers. So kind of the counterpart that I mentioned before um, with the ratify topic. And um, one last thing from the area of DevOps that I would like to highlight, there is a new addition out um, of the DevOps lab. And this time talking about uh, GitHub Actions and Terraform. So um, a combination that I have um, not seen too many videos or blog posts about, but definitely something that's used out in the wild and very important because Terraform is quite heavily used from my perspective. So if you're using Terraform and if you want to know how to do that with GitHub Actions, here you go with this video. Then from the um, yeah, more general news around Microsoft, there is one newsletter that I would like to highlight that is published by White Duck, uh, a German consulting company around focusing on Azure. And well, I, I came across that this month and it's really great. So um, it's, a, it's a monthly newsletter and it really sums up all the news around Azure. So everything that you have to know around um, Azure, what came out in the last month is basically compiled in this newsletter. Um, that's really cool. There are some, some deep dives within the newsletter, like um, deep dive on the Azure Container apps and on the event hubs. Um, and yeah, if, you, if you're looking for, for kind of a, a complete overview of what happened last month on Azure, I would highly recommend this uh, newsletter. And then there is also a new... Um, yeah, session or uptake around the cloud adoption framework. So the Microsoft Azure Enablement Show has a new host, um, which is Thomas Maurer, that you probably know when you're, um, yeah, for example, around the Arc area within uh, Microsoft. So he's doing a lot of stuff there. And he's now also host of the um, Microsoft Enablement Show around this important topic, cloud adoption framework. So if you are working with Azure, if you, you plan to work with Azure and want to set up everything correctly, I highly rec recommend to take a look at the Cloud Adoption Framework and the Bell Architecture Framework that is contained in there. Um, because that really 
gives you a great starting point where to uh, start your cloud journey. Even if you're using other clouds, I think it's worth a look. It's not that different uh, in between the clouds. I mean, the, the services differ, but the concepts are the same. Um, the only thing that I miss is the um, is a pillar that is now available within the AWS Well Architected Framework, and that's sustainability. That's not yet there at the Microsoft side, but um, yeah, I think Microsoft is quite engaged in that area, and I would be surprised if they would not also incorporate that. Then um, another one, another blog post um, around the area of AI, also from Microsoft, um, circling around um, how to implement AI responsibly. And this blog post compiles a lot of resources and tools that you can use in order to make this responsible implementation reality. I think as soon as you start with AI, you also should have that in mind. And this blog post gives you a great um, starting point in order to dive into that journey. With that, let's leave the world of Microsoft and switch into the twilight zone of SAP and Microsoft. So the world in between. Of course, it's Saturday, so every Saturday there is a new episode of the SAP on Azure video podcast, this time um, having its, its uh, center of gravity around um, deploying SAP systems with BICEP. So again, something that's uh, really interesting, um, especially as BICEP is, is much, much more handy than ARM. And yeah, why shouldn't you do um, your deployments of SAP systems not with BICEP. So if you're interested in that, highly recommend it to watch this episode of the SAP and Azure video podcast. And then there was another um, podcast of the uh, Coffee Corner Radio, this time about low code and no code. And I put that in the SAP and Microsoft section because I think the starting point was a webinar that I've also referenced um, of um, a collaboration between a Neptune software and, and Microsoft, so namely Matthias Steiner and Holger Bruchelt, who demoed how those two worlds come together. This podcast of the Coffee Corner Radio now does not talk in depth or, or goes into the details of the two products, um, which is, is uh, highly appreciated. It's more talking about low-code and no-code platforms in general, and also, of course, taking a look at um, the SAP world and what was announced at TechEd. So really a nice and again lengthy um, episode around uh, this topic. In addition, I've also referenced within the show notes a repository by Holger Bruchelt, um, which is the, the baseline for the webinar that um, he and Matthias um, gave around the Power Platform and the Neptune API factory. This uh, repository kind of guides you through um, the uh, showcase, the demo um, that probably was done during this webinar, um, making use of the API factory to expose the APIs and then consume them via the, uh, the Power Platform, super extensive README. So um, that really should uh, guide you through um, all the necessary steps that you have to do in order to follow along. And especially the Neptune part looks quite interesting with respect to the API management. So exposing APIs from your SAP system and then consuming them from the Power Platform. So 
I think something that um, is definitely worth a look. And then finishing the SAP Microsoft area with another blog post by Martin Pankratz. This time not about um, private link. So um, a bit disappointed. I uh, know. Uh, just kidding. So another great blog post around the topic of event-driven architectures. So uh, that's really cool. So Martin guides you through the this area and talks about uh, the the yeah, application cases of event-driven architectures, especially when it comes to SAP, Microsoft, BTP, and uh, gives some some heads up what's possible, um, what you can use, especially when it comes to S four and and NetWeaver how you can publish events, where you can publish events. So, of course, SAP Event Mesh, but also the um, Microsoft uh, Event Hub. There is also one thing mentioned or one approach mentioned um, that I think, uh, yeah, is not really um, super maintained by Microsoft, unfortunately, and that's the ABAP SDK for Azure. So the this repository is Basically, that there have been no contributions over the last year, at least. But yeah, um, so I, I would not go down that path. Nevertheless, again, a cool um, blog post all around the topic of event-driven architectures. Of course, as usual, when Martin does something high quality with another demo around um, or another showcase um, around that topic. Um, and he guides you through how to set things up and What's also highly appreciated, he highlights the differences between eventing, events, and messages, and um, how you can stretch the boundaries when you take a look at the cloud events standard. So um, yeah, really cool blog post as usual. Now taking up the topic of event-driven architectures, there is um, also something that I have put into the area of I would say, learning. Uh, blog post around event-driven architectures focusing on um, schema registry and event catalogs. So how do you find the stuff that is published? Um, blog post diving into that topic um, by David Boyne. Really nice read. Um, perfect second blog post if you want to dive into the topic of event-driven architecture. And then um, Finishing today's podcast with um, something if you want to go to the Certified Kubernetes Application Developer Certification, there is a quite nice um, GitHub repository that represents a crash course on this uh, certification. So I think it's it's a quite quite hard certification. Um, nevertheless, this is really uh, some some free resources that helps you guides you through all the different um, areas that are covered within this certification. So if you plan to do uh, the certification, I think you should definitely take a look at this repository by uh, Benjamin Mushko. Uh, with that, I'm at the end of today's session. I hope I had some news for you, some stuff to take a closer look at. And with that, I wish you a nice Saturday a great Sunday and a successful next week. See you next Saturday. Until then, bye.